traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Hi. Hey. We just should have uh, elected Mayor Giuliani mayor again, huh? Huh? Make Ray Kelly the police chief. Yes, yes, yes. Eric Adams facing record crime. Made all those phony promises that he knew what he was doing. He doesn't. And what is he doing now? Desperately, desperately trying to uh, find the old playbooks that worked. That worked. All right? There is a way to fight crime proactively, aggressively. And uh, Eric has been on the wrong side of the law basically since he was a kid, admittedly, actually. Uh, And he joined the police department not to help, not to serve the community, but in his own words, to aggravate people. Well, mission accomplished, Eric. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, he's only in it for the clothes. He's only in it for the parties. He's only in it for the sushi. He's only in it to make friends with Eric Schmidt, the former Google CEO who's now a billionaire. He's only in it for the crypto. He's only in it for the likes, the comments, the retweets, all that nonsense. He would rather go for a bike ride with Justin Bieber than roll up his sleeves and actually get to work. And even if he did roll up his sleeves and actually get to work, he would not know what the hell to do. Now, it's one thing to say, okay, wow, we want to be aggressive on policing. Now, how do you do that? Uh, How do you do that within the law, by the way? How do you do that constitutionally? Yeah, it's actually kind of, you know, you got to know your stuff there, Eric. Yeah, you conned us all. Well, not me. And actually, not us all. Uh, how many did you con? 230,000 people voted for this clown in the primary. Knows absolutely nothing. Um, not a lawyer, by the way. Hey, neither was de Blasio. You know, usually uh, the mayors of this city have advanced degrees because it's a great big job. It is. It's a great big job. Management job. Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, I know. He kind of got crazy there at the end. But he did some good things as mayor. A lot of good things. A master's from Harvard. Let's see. Rudy Giuliani uh, went to one of the top law schools in America. A gifted student. And let's see here. Who else? Uh, Ed Koch. Ed Koch was a lawyer. Dave Dickens was a lawyer. I mean, you had to have some sort of credentials, all right? Now all you got to have is a great big smile. And it'll fool most of the people most of the time. Uh, But, well... I think his luck is about to run out. Unfortunately, uh, it's unfortunate for New York, though, right? I mean, we we pay the price. And then people, I see it all the time. Oh, wow, did you hear what Eric Adams said? He wants to illegalize jumping turnstiles. Wow. Wow, what a tough guy, huh? He wants to make a crime a crime. (laughs) Okay, it's already a crime. Crazy. Weak. Substance takes a backseat to style. That's the way America rolls these days. Uh, if you've got substance, if you got, you got a, you'd like to work hard, 
That's very unique. Very unique. Most people are just in it for the fun. Uh, what else is going on? The Oh, Joe Biden. Talk about in it for the fun. This guy got into politics for all the wrong reasons. Totally. Great big smile on his face over there with the NATO ministers. Does not have a clue. He should have been out there. He should have probably gone to NATO before the invasion. Because they kept telling us there's going to be an invasion. There's going to be an invasion. And what did Joe do? He didn't. In, he did not uh, come up with sanctions. He did not work with our allies in any compelling way. Now he's over there for a photo op. He is declining, by the way. Every day he seems to be declining. Uh, meanwhile, the Ukrainians are holding their own. It's pretty impressive. When this first went down, we thought, okay, that's it. You know. Russia's going to win this thing in two days. Uh-uh. Has not happened that way. What else is going on? Oh, so you guys have that uh, Cory Booker losing his mind? Cory Booker is in love with uh, the new, whatever she is, the nominee, right? Oh, here we go. Wait. Where, where, go ahead and play that for me if you don't mind. Cory Booker had a nervous breakdown. He was in ecstasy over uh, Judge, what's her name again? Uh, uh, Katanji. Brown Jackson. Hit it. When I look at you, this is why I get emotional. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian. You're a mom. You're, you're, you're an intellect. You love books. But for me, I'm sorry. I, I, it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom, not to see my, my cousins, one of them who had to come here and sit behind you. She had to, be, she had to have your back. I see my ancestors and yours. Calm down, Corey. By the way, she's younger than you. You look at her. I have a feeling women don't like to be told you remind me of my mother. I, I is that? I, I don't think that works. I mean, Cory Booker is fifty-two years old and she's fifty-one. You look like my mom. I think that's uh, that's just not good manners. Uh, let's see what else happened there. Uh, she's going to get confirmed, but you know what? God bless what I call the MVP Republicans who said, you know, screw it. Uh, I don't care if we get criticized. I don't care if they wage racist attacks against us. We are going to ask questions that need to be asked. Um, It's very, well, as you know, you say one thing. You say one thing actually against this judge, you will be branded a racist. I'm hearing (laughs) from all quarters, nobody wanted to do it at first. Because they were afraid of the criticism. But Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, good job. Go. Cut four. To take a guy who's 18 years old, who has what the government says is an extremely large collection of prepubescent pornography, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, we're talking about, I mean, gobs of hours of, of time here that he has, you say to him that he's not a pedophile. I don't know how you know that. I don't know why that's relevant to the guidelines, but may, maybe it is. You say that you're very sorry for him and what he suffered, and then you give him three months when, frankly, a liberal prosecutor is asking for two full years. I mean, it does seem like an extraordinary case to me it would bother me no matter what it really bothers me when in every case child porn case you've had you've had discretion you've sentenced below the guidelines and below the government's recommendation good for you good for you and there is something very odd about these sentences there really is it's okay you're allowed to ask about her record okay gail king gail king and the crew over there at cbs and everywhere else in the fake news they think that these are somehow Uh, racially motivated attacks. 
Go talk to Judge Kavanaugh about uh, racially motivated attacks, okay? Attacks are attacks. What else? What else? Uh, Judge Bork, Samuel Alito. It comes with the territory, okay? It's not racial. Let's see. I want to hear from Tom Cotton, cut 16. Isn't it inherent in the concept of deterrence that people are less likely to commit crime if they're more likely to get caught, convicted, and sentenced? Why can't you just say that's the case? Senator, it's not that I'm avoiding saying that's the case. No, that's Judge, that's exactly what you're doing. I'm asking a very simple question. In general, is someone more likely or less likely to commit a crime if they know they're going to be caught, convicted, and sentenced? It's very hard of deterrence. It's 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 very difficult to answer questions in general. Is 17 years too long or not long enough for a criminal to spend in prison for murder? Senator, these are policy questions. Do you know how long the average inmate convicted of rape serves in prison in America? Well, Senator, rape is not a crime in the federal system. Do you think we imprison too many violent criminals or not enough? Senator, it's important for... All right, that's enough. Look, he was tough on her, and he was very, very good. And uh, one other thing on this matter, I guess you'll hear Lindsey Graham ask about her faith. And that's a big no-no. You know, the, the fake news, they don't want to hear about religion. They just, it makes them very uncomfortable. They mock people who believe, and they mock questions like this. You know, was it the best uh, articulated question by Lindsey Graham? On a scale of 1 to 10, how religious are you? Probably not. Uh, it's the kind of thing, though, I could see somebody asking, and why not? You're going to be ruling on cases involving churches all the time. Churches are being sued all the time. Uh, cut 65, please. You'll hear what Lindsey Graham said, and then the fake news crew over on Morning Joe scoffing, laughing, ridiculing. Cut 65. On a scale of 1 to 10, how faithful would you say you are in terms of religion? You know, I go to church probably three times a year, so that speaks poorly of me. <laughs> or do you, do you attend church regularly? Well, Senator, I am reluctant to talk about my faith in this way. You're a Southern guy like me. You grew up in this church in the South like me. Yeah. Yeah. Asking somebody to grade their Christianity on a scale of one to 10. There's so many things wrong with that. You should do Rodney or something like that. You know, the scale. I mean, it's definitely great if she had said, I go to 11. Yeah. Christianity goes to 11. This one goes to 11. This is 11. Not her fight. Not her gig. Like, ask her about the Constitution. Well, that line of questioning, which was so grotesque from Lindsey Graham. Oh, calm down. Grotesque. It's not grotesque. People talk about faith, except you guys, very, very uncomfortable about it. They only use it as a weapon against Republicans. Oh, that's so hypocritical of you. How can you engage in that kind of criticism? Aren't you supposed to be? Yeah, they use it as they try to silence us, actually, with our faith. You ever notice that? Try to shame you like... Look, we're not perfect. We live in the world, and we're allowed to engage. We are. Um, And I think it's appropriate that uh, Lindsey Graham brought up faith because this is the thing that I liked about Katanji Brown-Jackson, and I still do, even though I don't want her on the Supreme Court. This is the first thing she said when she was nominated by Joe Biden. Go ahead, please, with cut 66. I must begin these very brief remarks by thanking God for delivering me to this point in my professional journey. 
My life has been blessed beyond measure, and I do know that one can only come this far by faith. Isn't that beautiful? And she's right. That doesn't mean she needs to get any further, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think religion is off the table, all right? And these guys, these are long conversations they have. This hearing went on to like 11 o'clock at night. It goes on and on and on. Hey, do me a favor. Get that guy Brett from Staten Island back on the phone, if you don't mind. Um, Brett is a big fan of Cory Booker and thinks we were a little bit hard on him. Uh, one more thing about the hearing, and I'm, then I want to forget about it. Uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is another one of the MVPs. I know he's not the most likable guy in the world, and sometimes he lays it on a little bit thick, but he's brilliant and he's brave. Cut 67, please. If, if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman, and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose Article 3 standing. Tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? W- would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and... Um, well, I'm asking you how of- you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. Yeah, and uh, that threw her for a total loop. A couple of years ago, that would be a crazy question, but that's the way things are right now. Uh, she couldn't define woman just the other day. So uh, back to Ukraine for a moment. Do you know how many Russian soldiers have been killed? 15,000. 15,000 Russian soldiers uh, killed in this. We lost less than 7,000 in 20 years in Afghanistan plus Iraq. Isn't that incredible? We lost less than 7,000 troops. Now, unfortunately, a lot of Iraqi civilians were killed, but under 7,000, and they've lost 15,000 in a month. Putin's in trouble. Putin is in trouble. Now, his um, cronies there, they're not strong enough to do anything about it. But the moms of Russia, all those funerals, their sons, where are they? What the hell is this all about? When you lose the mothers, then then you might lose everything there. Vlad, be right back. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. He's back on the phone. Uh, Brett in Staten Island. Brett, yes, sir. Hi, Mr. Kelly. I, I, I'm a, Mr. Greg Kelly, I feel like I have to give you a special title because I'm such a big fan, and I loved listening to and uh, watching you and Rosanna on the news in the morning. I know, but ago. I know, but there's a butt coming. There's a great big butt coming. What's up? <laughs> no, it's not a butt. It's no butt. No butts. But uh, Cory Booker, the, the poor guy was crying. He was having a moment. I mean, I wanted to have myself a good cry about a week or two ago about something or other, but I wouldn't do it. And, and um, you know, I would have done it behind closed doors. Hey, pal. Yeah, you would have done it behind closed doors for a good reason, I'm sure. Real men don't cry like this. All right. This is a stupid stunt to get on TV. Or I don't know what the hell he's going to go ahead. When I look at you, this is why I get emotional. I'm sorry, you're 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 a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian. You're a mom. You're 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 an intellect. You love books. But for me, I'm sorry. I, I it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom. Oh, shut up! All right, my- all right, stop, 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 stop. Are you, are you telling me that was 
uh, genuine or in any way normal. That's crazy talk. And I think his mom's alive, by the way. Is Cory Booker's mother is alive. Let's check that out. Anyway, what you think that's uh, the, what? I tell you what, um, I love your show. I listen to it religiously. I know you keep doing what you're doing. All right. Uh, God bless. All right, all right. So you 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 told you told the call screener that, uh, you, uh, but I, I I talked you out of it, I guess. Uh, I don't feel like that I'm intelligent enough politically to uh, to to talk. Ah, sure you are. That's the whole point. No, of course, of course. These uh, you the Cory Booker has anything on you? My goodness gracious. Uh, anyway, Brett, thank you for the support. I appreciate it very much. I found that to be totally, totally, totally bizarre. Um, I don't get it. And it's also, you know what George W. Bush called it? And I don't want to, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of George W. Bush at all. But I think he coined this phrase. How does it go again? The bigotry of soft expectations. Yeah, the bigotry of soft expectations. So in Cory Booker's world, you know, a woman going to church and law, law school, that just blows him away like this. Let me hear that way. That way. Let's let's pick out the, the the what's so impressive here about her. Okay, go ahead. Why I get emotional? I'm sorry. You're 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 a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian. You're a mom. You're 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 an intellect. You love books. But for me, I'm sorry. I, I it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom, not to see my my cousins. One of them who had to come here and sit behind you. She had to be. She had to have your back. I see my ancestors and yours. Is that it? Okay, he's that thrilled to see a Christian and a mom who loves books. We got 10 of them who work at the radio station. This guy's got to be a wreck every time he turns around. This is, uh, no, that was designed. I guess it worked. I'm playing it on the radio. I saw it on TV last night. Uh, that's, uh, that is crazy talk, everybody. Uh, who, who? This is the way to behave. Uh, let's see. Here's a way to behave. Uh, even Lindsey Graham. Even Lindsey Graham knows how to do it. Uh, cut 59. Here she is explaining how uh, child pornography is not such a big deal. Cut 59. In comes the Internet. On the Internet, with one click, you can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. You can be doing this for 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Cut. Good. I understand. Absolutely Senator, good. I hope you are. To do good. Is- Allow her to finish, please. I hope you go to jail for 50 years. If you're on the Internet trolling for images please. of children and sexual exploitation. So, so you don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's horrible thing. What- huh. Lindsay gave it to her good. I mean, look, it was all about the record. It was all within limits. It was all, uh, hey, Larry in Brooklyn has something to say about this. Yes, Larry. Yeah, you know, this, this whole Cory Booker nonsense. I mean, he was like, he reminded me of somebody who goes fishing in his backyard pond and pulls out a wrecked catfish. I mean, this is a non-historic moment. It's not like, wow, you're the first black woman. They were looking for a black woman. And not only that, but her appointment began with Barack Obama. Okay, Barack Obama has has single-handedly destroyed the Supreme Court. He's hired judges that had minimal experience that came right out of the district court. Ketanji Brown had one year of appellate experience. Elena Kagan, I, came, I think, came right out of a district court. 
And I think Sotomayor had minimal appellate experience uh, also. You know what? I, one thing are, on that, I've got to jump in. I mean, I don't like those people. I don't like their uh, their judicial approach. I think they're judicial activists. But it didn't matter if they were on the court for a year or 10 years. I just don't think it makes that much of a difference. You know, you don't even have to be a judge to be nominated to the Supreme Court. I don't even think technically you have to be a lawyer. You just have to have the right temperament. Uh, who was the guy who became uh, chief justice? Uh, the governor of California, Warren, Earl Warren. I don't think he had been a judge. He went from governor of uh, the big state to uh, being a judge. It happens. I don't care if district court, circuit court, uh, court of appeals. I don't get too worked up about that. I'm surprised you do, Larry. I'll tell you why. Because I'll tell you why. Because the point is, is that there's an institution that uses its pedigree to groom all these people. It's called Harvard University. You get the label Harvard. And why doesn't somebody investigate Harvard and look at their affirmative action? Uh, well, they are. As you know, they're being sued. Uh, and there are all kinds of discrimination against Asian people. Hey, but guess what? Conservatives come out of Harvard as well. That's where our, uh, one of our heroes, Antonin Scalia, I believe he went to Harvard. Uh, there are some, you know, I don't know. It's been noted before, it's just the two same schools, Yale and Harvard. But Kavanaugh went to Yale. Conservatives, too. I'll be back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. I saw Joe Biden stumble off the plane last night in Brussels, Belgium, for the big NATO conference, and there he is. He just met with the uh, the leaders. They posed for a picture. He was laughing and goofing and joking and smiling. That's what he does. He's a just a cheap politician. Slap you on the back. Hey, man, yeah. Uh, he's speaking. We're going to take it just for a few moments, and uh, I am kind of— All right, here you go. He's speaking right now. Let's see what's going on. Our NATO allies who were obviously— very, very concerned and somewhat at worried of what would happen. We accomplished all three of these, and today we're determined to sustain those efforts and to build on them. Mm. The United States is committed to provide over $2 billion in military equipment to Ukraine since okay. I became president. That's good. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. $2 billion. So I am hearing that they are getting <laughs> the material the weapons, are not getting to the battlefield. So typical of politicians, especially this one. Talk a big game, brag about all the money, and nobody ever follows up, all right? It's all bogged down in bureaucracy, and once they got through the red tape, how do you actually get an SA-3 system, missile system, to the battlefield in Ukraine right now? It's hard. It is very logistically difficult, complicated, Getting the stuff up. We can't just fly it in, you know, truck it. It's a pain in the neck. And uh, when it comes to logistics, this is not the administration. Hey, by the way, Cory Booker's mother is alive. And I'm glad to uh, say that. That's good. And uh, I actually met them once. Nice people. I don't know why. Wait a second. Yeah, she's alive. Good. I don't know why. Um, what's his name? They seem like really great people. I met them once. When did what's his name jump the shark with the uh, dramatic? Nonsense. Hey, speaking of Joe Biden's smile, um, a young Donald Trump pointed out that in American politics, too often that's what the people want. A big smile, but no great brain. 
It's a fascinating interview that he did with Rona Barrett. I believe he was 34 years old, so he's not even old enough to be president. And peop- and she asked him, Do you- are you thinking about running for president? It's something to remember. People think that Donald Trump was like this, oh, my God, this this totally unorthodox, totally out of left field person. No. In so many ways, he was a traditional president and a traditional candidate. Because for most of American history, to be considered eligible for the presidency, you needed to be a person of tremendous influence, fame, uh, for many decades before you're eligible for the big job. Almost all the presidents in the 20th century are like that. People, they were household names 20 years before they became president. Then it changed in this century. Barack Obama comes in out of nowhere, becomes president. George W. Bush, who the hell knew who that guy was? Really? Governor of Texas for 10 minutes and then he's president? Hey, wait a second. The, the reporters are saying stuff. Can I hear this for a moment? All right, go ahead. Put it back on. He did use chemical weapons. You know, on the first question, I can't answer that. I'm not going to give you intelligence data, number one. Number two, we would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. Uh, Josh of Bloomberg. Perhaps I'll just project, Mr. President. Uh, thank you very much. If I had your voice, I'd have been elected a lot earlier. I'll give it a try. He's got a long arm. Thank you. Uh, can you uh, talk to us about two things, sir? One, since your conversation with President Xi of China, have you seen any indications of action or lack of action from China that has led you to believe whether they will intervene and help Russia either with the sale of arms or, uh, or the provision of supplies to support this war in Ukraine? And secondly, uh, can you say whether this, uh, the conversation today turned to the subject of food shortages? and what Ask the him about the laptop. I have shortages? had enough. These reporters stink. He'll, you think you're going to get a straight answer out of this guy? Number one, he knows nothing. Number two, he can't tell the truth. Ask him about the laptop, please. Oh, man. How can it be that he can show his face in public and not be asked about the laptop, huh? How does he get away with it? Now, wait a second. I got something good here. You know who Miranda Devine is from the New York Post? An amazing reporter. She wrote The Laptop from Hell. Uh, all about hunters uh, you know, wheeling and dealing. She writes today, and this is a really good piece, the White House at some point is going to have to address Hunter Biden's laptop. For 17 months, Joe Biden and his aides have ignored the scandal broken by the Post three weeks before the 2020 election. They have denied our revelations, refused to respond to our questions, told lies, and relied on their media and big tech allies to censor and cover up credible allegations of corruption involving the president and his family. But the dam is about to burn. First, as more Americans learn about the scandal and draw negative conclusions about Biden's integrity, an exclusive Rasmussen poll obtained by The Post shows a staggering 65 percent of voters believe it is likely that Joe Biden was involved in and may have profited from his son Hunter's overseas business deals. Forty eight percent say it is very likely. More on that poll in a moment. The fallout for the White House is only likely to get worse. There is a limit to what Democrat spin merchants, CIA liars, and false allegations of Russian collusion can do to bury a story. The New York Times broke its silence last week and admitted that the laptop is real. 
The Washington Post also woke up from its slumber and has begun investigating the laptop, recently phoning sources the Post interviewed long ago. And as a grand jury in Delaware moves closer to potentially indicting Hunter, 52, over alleged tax evasion, money laundering, and violations of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, pressure is mounting on the president finally to explain his role in the international influence peddling scheme run by his son and his brother, Jim Biden, while he was vice president. The laptop, along with evidence provided by Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, and Treasury documents provided to a Senate inquiry, reveal millions of dollars flowing to the Biden family and associates from dubious foreign sources, including three flashpoint countries vital to U.S. national security, Russia, Ukraine, China. Wow. Now, let's just check in on that press conference because this is hot stuff, right? Hot stuff. Now, let's see what they're talking about. Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just give one example. Oh, he's still talking about food. We had food. a long discussion uh, in the G7 with, uh, um, the, uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, has a significant... All right, all right, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki played dumb last week and refused to answer questions from the Post's Stephen Nelson about how the president is navigating conflicts of interest during the Ukraine-Russia war when it comes to sanctioning people who have done business with his family. Specifically, Nelson asked about Russian oligarch Yelena Baterina, who has not been sanctioned, but who allegedly wired $3.5 million on February 14, 2014, to a firm of associated with Hunter's former business partner, Devin Archer. That wire was flagged in a suspicious activity report provided by Treasury Department in a Senate Republican inquiry. Uh, now, new evidence has emerged via the laptop showing that Baterina wired as much as $118 million to various offshoots of Rosemont Seneca Partners, the consulting firm. Most of the money is believed to have been used to buy properties in Brooklyn and Chelsea for Baterina, as well as shares in commercial office buildings across the country. Baterina is the wife of former corrupt mayor of Moscow, Yuri Laskov. Uh, was living in exile in London at the time after her husband fell out with the Kremlin. This is big stuff. Big stuff. And there are people who can validate this story. Tony Bobolinsky is alive and well for now. I hope this guy stays safe. What are they talking about at that press conference? Um, I, that, that was raised today. And uh, I raised the possibility if that can't be done... If Indonesia and others do not agree, no. then we should, in my view, ask to have both uh, um, Ukraine uh, be able to attend the meetings as well as uh, um, well, basically Ukraine being able to attend the G20 Here meetings. Here comes a big Earth. suck up question. With regard to M- maybe the first question. That is a total judgment based on Ukraine. Nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine. I don't believe. I'm going to give these reporters one more chance. There's negotiations that are discussions, I should say, that have taken place that I have not been part of, including Ukrainians, and it's uh, it's it's their judgment to make. Um, Cecilia, ABC. Oh, Cecilia Vega. 
Probably not a good question, (laughs) but who knows? Um, Sir, you've made it very clear in this conflict that you do not want to see World War III. But is it possible that that in expressing that so early that you were too quick to rule out direct military intervention in this war, could Putin have been emboldened knowing that you are not going to get involved directly in this conflict? No and no. No and no. Hey, how about this? It would seem as though you're deeply compromised and at a disadvantage, a severe disadvantage in representing American interests, given the very credible allegations of your entanglements in Ukraine and Russia vis-a-vis your son, Hunter. Hmm? Something along those lines. What do you think? I think that would be good. (laughs) I just can't believe he's getting away with it. Vice President Biden is also believed, this is from Miranda Devine, to have attended a second investor dinner organized by his son at the end of March of 2016. That's true. It's true. It's in the laptop. The totally, doubly, triply, quadruply confirmed laptop that a Burisma official was socializing with Joe Biden, an arrangement facilitated by son Hunter. He is... A total and complete liar, and we're paying the price. We are right now. This guy, how did he get there? We have to really reevaluate as a country how this happened, huh? Don't you think? All right, one other thing here. I'm going to go to uh, Tim in Manhattan. Hi, Tim. Hello, how are you? Fine. My curiosity is with the Joe Biden situation. And if he's not impeached, he, his son and the gang, his brother, sister, and the rest of the organization that has been around the Ukraine, um, corruption, the Russians, Chinese, if he's still president, he can pardon them. Yeah. Hold on one second. Here's one more guy asking a question. Is it any better? Go ahead. Throughout, the, throughout Ukraine. And those who have made it across the border, I plan on Don't go attempting away, to see those folks, as well as I hope I'm going to be able to see. I guess I'm not supposed to say where I'm going, am I? But anyway, I hope I get to see a, a lot of people. <laughs> um, Marcus, or Der Spiegel. Go for it, Marcus. Come on, go for it. Thanks, Mr. President. Um, there is a presidential election coming up in 2024, and as you You're know, kidding. there are white. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> and uh, there are widespread concerns in Europe that um, a figure like your predecessor, maybe even your predecessor himself, might uh, get elected president again. Um, Hand so, um, question. Are there any steps, anything? Uh, you are trying to do, and NATO is trying to do here these days. Yeah, you're trying to, to get Trump and. Indicted. What you're trying to do cool. uh, becoming undone two years from now. No, I, I, that's not how I think of this. I've been dealing with foreign policy for longer than anybody that's involved in this process. And right you now. suck at it. I have no concerns about the impact. I, I made a commitment when I ran this time. I wasn't going to run again, and I mean that sincerely. I had no intention of running for president again. And uh, until I saw those folks coming out of the fields in... Virginia carrying torches and carrying Nazi banners and literally singing the same vile 
rhyme that they used in Germany in the early 20s. Yes, it was the very first lie you told of your campaign. And, um, the Charlottesville hoax. The gentleman you mentioned was asked what the gentleman you mentioned was asked what he thought and a young woman was killed a protest. Come on. He's about to tell the Charlottesville the big Charlottesville lie. No? Oh well, too bad. He's telling the fake story that Donald Trump said that there were very fine people on both sides. Go ahead. Is it up now? Go. I made a determination. Nothing is worth, no election is worth my not doing exactly what I think is the right thing. Not a joke. I'm too long in the tooth to fool with this any longer. Absolute liar. We're a long way off in elections. A long way off. My focus of any election is on making sure that we retain the House and the United States Senate so that I have the room to continue to do the things that I've been able to do in terms of grow the economy and deal in a rational way with American foreign policy and lead the world. All right, enough with this guy. He is so he has such contempt and a lack of respect. Do me a favor. Get those comments from Donald Trump in August of 2017, all right? I'm going to prove to you again that this SOB is lying. Also, get the announcement when when Joe Biden launched his campaign for 2019, the very first thing he did was lie to the American people. It is incredible, and he does it with impunity, and nobody, but nobody, and there he goes. He walks off. He got away with it again. He got away with it again. No, sir. No, sir. You are not getting away with this one. No, sir. Uh-uh. You can't lie to 300 million people and think you're not going to... Oh, gosh. Oh, wait, well, what, what's he saying now? I am curious. Is that, well, go, 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 go. Like the one I did today was in Great Britain. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And one of, oh, the, for how one, long? One of my counterparts, colleagues, the head how of long? state said, for how long? For how long? And so I don't blame... I don't, I don't criticize anybody for asking that question. Oh, yeah. Well, it's such but, a big uh, of you. Uh, the next election, I'd be very fortunate if I had that same man running against me. Thank you very, very much. That's, he won't even say his name. He won't say his name. That's all he talks about is Trump. That's all the media talk about. Trump, 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 Trump. Wow. Yeah, one final question, right. Hey, Louie, hold on a second, please. I was supposed to be an hour ago at the European Union meeting. Hey, that's your problem, Chief. You know, I'm thanking you. Uh, so, so someone I haven't called on before. You. You. Such respect. You? I'm Christina Arpini from CBS. Thank you, sir. Okay. Go for it, Christina. Sir, deterrence didn't work. What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action you've taken today? Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. The maintenance of sanctions, the maintenance of sanctions, the increasing the pain and the demonstration why I asked for this NATO meeting today is to be sure that after a month we will sustain what we're doing, not just next month. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye, liar. You are a lying man, and it's unbelievable that he can get away with it and that People like me, conservatives like me, they're chasing us off the Internet. They're trying to marginalize us because we have the audacity to tell the truth. Even there, about sanctions. I'm going to show you tonight on the Newsmax show. I probably can't get it in time for the, this show. But 
everybody is in, is, in his, in his administration talking about how sanctions will deter, including him at one point, and then for him to say that. I'll be right back. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Uh, uh, it's really wild, man. He just does it. Does he get to a point where he believes his own lies? Or has he been, has he been lied to? Now, on foreign soil, I guess it doesn't make any difference if it's in Brussels or uh, Brooklyn, but he told, because he's told the lie here. He says that Donald Trump referred to the Charlottesville, Charlottesville uh, protest, very fun people on both sides. And what Biden says is that he's calling neo-Nazis and white supremacists very fine people. Now, that's not what he said. He explicitly said that neo-Nazis and white supremacists are to be condemned totally. He said it right then and there. Donald Trump's point, and Joe Biden continues to lie about it, Donald Trump's point was that you can be against Confederate memorials to think that they stir up uh, you know, racist imagery, uh, uh, ideas of uh, slavery. You can be against all that stuff because you find it offensive and be a very fine person. You can also believe that those uh, icons, those memorials should be preserved so we remember history. You can be a very fine person and believe that. And there were protesters on both sides of the issue, who were very fine people, okay, who came there to peacefully protest. And then, yes, you had Antifa with their bats and hats and uh, weapons, and you had some white supremacists with their hate and that vehicle that ran down that woman. Horrible stuff. That doesn't mean that everybody in Charlottesville that day was horrible. Okay, you can be a mainstream good person and believe that Confederate memorials are offensive. You can also be a mainstream good person and believe that Confederate memorials should be preserved. When you erase history, you are bound to repeat it. Somebody very smart once said that. Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense to me. (sighs) All right. That's where I am. Yikes. We only have a. A minute left, and then we have to. Oh, it's what? What is the celebration down there today? It's some sort of special day, Greek celebration day. What is it? Greek Independence Day tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, so this is a precursor for Greek Independence Day. Well, we love Greece. We love the Greeks. We love John Katsimatidis, the famous Greek American, American Greek who uh, owns this wonderful radio station and a lot of other uh, entities. And we are so in awe of his success. And he really, and he's so proud of his heritage. But you know what? It's funny. It's not just like he shows up for the Greek American parade. He loves the St. Patrick's American parade. He has an event for that. We, he finds moments for New Yorkers and New Yorkers are from all over the world and he celebrates and it's very great. It's also very rare. You just don't see much of that. And I love it. I love it. All right. Hey, real quick, uh, Artie has a question. He's in Delray, Florida. Hi, Artie. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. Uh, listen, you make sense about everything. You know, everybody I know loves your show. But uh, my son just got his qualification as a plane captain uh, in, the, in the Navy. He's an Navy airman. And I was wondering if you could give me a little expansion on actually what a plane captain is. Wow. Uh, well, number one, be careful. <laughs> That's my advice to him. It's a... Uh, 
you know, it's a tricky job, and he's obviously a smart guy. Did he go through Pensacola? Yes, sir. Yep, yep. that's where the training does. Well, listen, I can't get all into it right now. He's basically uh, so much of aircraft operations he's in charge of, just shy of the takeoff. That guy is kind of running the show, especially on a ship. My hat's off to your boy. What's his name? Arthur. Arthur, Arthur. like you, Artie. All right, give him my best and call back sometime. Thank you, sir. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I don't know why I'm amazed. I shouldn't be. But the audacity of his lies when it's so easily verifiable that he is flat out lying. Joe Biden did it again. Lied about Donald Trump. Lied about what he said about Ukraine. Just you name it. Come so easy. Maya Angelou, the great poet. Remember her? Uh, What did she once say? Famously, if uh, somebody tells you who they are the first time, remember it or something along those lines. Uh, If somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And the first time I really became aware of Joe Biden was in 1987 when he got busted telling about 80 lies in 60 seconds, (laughs) literally. I, I, I have three degrees. I graduated at the top of my class. I have the International Moot Court Competition Trophy. Uh, just selected as the honor student in the political science department. All this crap. And he was lying. He was just every, everything he said was a great big fat lie. And uh, old habits die uh, die hard, whatever. It's, um, that's, that's, I guess, well, he's a politician. And you know who had his number even before they even met? I wonder if Donald Trump knew about Joe Biden in 1980. In 1980, Joe Biden had already been reelected to the United States Senate. Uh, so he's, you know, basically in the running for president. Donald Trump is a successful businessman. Ten times more famous than some senator from uh, Delaware, by the way. And Rona Barrett sat down with him. In his apartment on 800 Fifth Avenue. He was living there at the time. A bachelor. It's a very thoughtful interview. you got to go find it on YouTube. Or you can listen to it right now. i got it all queued up. Are we ready? Listen to what he says about politics, about life. Very interesting stuff. Go ahead. If you could make America perfect, how would you do it? Well, I think that America is a country that has tremendous, tremendous potential. I think that much like the mind, I think that America is using very, very little of its potential. I feel that this country with the proper leadership can go on to become what it once was. And I hope and certainly hope that it does go on to be what it uh, what it should be. Okay, good stuff. There's more, right? So I think this is where they ask him. And again, he's 34 years old. Uh, Do you want to be president? Go ahead. For some people, the ultimate goal in life uh, has been becoming the president of the United States. Would you like to be the president of the United States? I really don't believe I would, Rona, but I would like to see somebody as the president who could do the job, and there are very capable people in this country. Okay, give me a little bit more, please. Why wouldn't you dedicate yourself to public service? Because I think it's a very mean life. I, I would love and I would I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life. And I also see it as somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular. 
wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. And that's a sad commentary for the political process. No great brain but a big smile. Sounds like somebody we know, huh? Joe Biden. That's all he really can do. Smile that big phony smile with all those phony teeth and that phony head. Oh, oh, man, 1980, 42 years ago. He's just so insightful. The guy's amazing. Truly is amazing. Uh, By the way, the ideas that he has now are popular. They may not have been popular at the time, but uh, he's he's a special guy. All right, so that happened. Now, I want... What do we have? Do we have the clip from uh, Joe Biden when he announces for president? All right. What do we have at this point? Did you get anything else yet? All right. Well, yeah, no. Yes, no. Maybe do me a favor, Kevin. You got to tell me what's going on. Just go ahead and talk to me for a moment. Well, what do you did you get the uh, the comments from Brussels yet? We're working on that as we speak. Oh, all righty. Well, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, Oh, we do have to talk about um, Mayor Adams came up with a phony baloney exemption for athletes they don't have to get the vaccine look i don't want anybody to be mandated to get the vaccine nobody should be forced to get that vaccine but for a long time remember we all had to show our passports or our uh, vaccination card to get into a restaurant all that stuff um and i guess everybody who goes into one of these arenas needs to have one except now if you're a famous person if you're a rich person, I knew I knew Eric Adams was going to come around and hook these guys up because that's all he wants to do is party. That's all he wants to do is hang. Not interested in the hard work, not interested in really tackling crime. And even if he was, he doesn't know how he doesn't know how to do it. Hey, by the way, Michelle Morse is the New York City Health Commissioner. Dr. Michelle Morse. Now, listen to this. This is uh, from her official Twitter account. For too long, barriers stood between dollars and families who would benefit most from their support. We need to support birthing people through all aspects of their birthing experience. Perhaps the most beautiful and personal gift we can share with birthing people as they navigate the groundbreaking life. You see how she's saying birthing people, not mothers? Groundbreaking, life-changing experience of creating life. That is what doulas do. Oh, boy, doulas. This is that at-home situation where you have the kid in the bathtub. Not a good idea. The urgency of this moment is clear. Mortality rates of birthing people are too high. And babies born, ah, notice this, to black and Puerto Rican mothers in this city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people now let's go over that again you see the difference here the most beautiful and personal gift we can share with birthing people as they navigate the groundbreaking life-changing experience of creating life that is what doulas do the urgency of this moment is clear mortality rates of birthing people are too high and babies born to black and puerto rican mothers in this city are well black and puerto rican women are humanized humanized mothers right but non-hispanic white birthing people non-hispanic white birthing people why aren't they mothers why black and puerto rican mothers non-hispanic white birthing people i think they're objectifying uh non-hispanic white people (laughs) that's uh that's very strange to me 
Am I being a little bit sensitive? I'm being a little bit nitpicky? I don't think so anymore. They're trying to revamp everything, revamp the way we think. And too many people are afraid right now and going along with the flow. I even know some liberals who are horrified by this kind of stuff. But they'd never say it. Ever. You got to be on the right side of this. You got to be fashionable. I mean, you have to be in with the crew that reads the New York Times, right? Right? Don in Staten Island, yes, sir. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Uh, I'm one of your I'm, I'm I'm one of your greatest fans. Listen, you know, every day, day after day, you constantly pound us with all the things that we hate that are making us annoyed. Well, wait a second, hold on a second. I have a feeling there's a great big butt coming here. Uh, it's not only those things. I do like to talk about other things that are fulfilling. For instance, my running and in self-improvement. And remember the number one rule I've been talking about here, in addition to the Bible, of course, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And if you could improve just a little bit each day, man, it's such a great feeling. And I am up to three miles, 3.05 miles in just under 30 minutes. Anyway, Don, keep going. (laughs) Okay. And now we're out of time. And, Don, i got to go. Now, listen, Greg, you you are constantly telling us about the things that annoy well, us. I, yes, the- yes. And your point is what? Finish, Greg, please. Why don't you get yourself into one of these meetings? Why don't you ask the president a couple of questions, the ones that we all want to ask him? Can you get in there and do that? You got the power. I got the power? Don, I'm busy, all right? I got a talk show on the radio, and I got a talk show on the television. I live in New York. The White House, I believe, is in Washington, D.C. And, oh, by the way, I've been there before. I spent two years in the uh, White House press corps from 2005 to 2007, and I got to ask questions. It's not uh, – it doesn't really change the uh, – it doesn't move the needle all that much, although I got to hand it to Peter Ducey. Peter Ducey is doing an amazing job asking those questions. Don, we all have roles to play. You know, I wish I could be in more places at the same time. I can't. You know, I'm here at WABC and at Newsmax, and uh, I am very proud of my contributions, by the way. Um, But I'm not going to get on the Amtrak, go all the way down there to not be called on by uh, Jen Psaki or Joe Biden. And by the way, I, I got the power. Not really, actually. I can't just walk into the White House. Neither can you, except if uh, you want to go on a tour. I can't just walk in there. I got to be credentialed. How do you get credentialed? You have to apply. You got to answer a series of questions. And then you have to be there a certain amount of time. And then guess what? They don't call on you when they know you're, you know, a critical, honest reporter. How do you think Marcus from Der Spiegel got to ask his question today? James Rosen, one of the best reporters out there. He's gone like 84 days without asking a question because they won't call on him. He's the one who asked that amazing question about Joe Biden losing it. Don, I don't want to be a naysayer, but I got to be realistic and honest with you. You know what I mean? So send somebody else, Greg. Okay, Don. All right. I'll do it for you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Don is, uh, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes every now and then we open ourselves up to the, hey, you're all talk. Well, don't forget, Don, I've had my ass in the grass, okay? I flew off aircraft carriers, 158 aircraft carrier landings, half of them at night. What else? Lived in the desert for a year. Uh, Rode a tank into Baghdad. 
Uh, what the hell else? Um, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I know there's more. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, flying missions in East Africa. Um, twice to the Persian Gulf, actually. Uh, and just flying that damn jet in normal peacetime over Mississippi, that was dangerous. I'm not saying that, that means I can just sit back and rest on my laurels. But I did used to give those guys a hard time down there in the White House. But, you know, it's uh, you do what you can do. Muncie in Brielle. Where the hell are you again in New Jersey, Muncie? Yeah, Brielle, Central New Jersey. Greg, when was the last time that someone besides a woman gave birth to a child? I don't understand. Why are we talking about this birthing people? You have to be a woman to give birth to a child, right? Uh, yeah. So what, what, I don't understand. And the Supreme Court nominee can't define a woman? What's... Am I missing something? You are not missing something. It's as crazy as it seems, my friend. It really is astonishing. I, I, I am at a loss. You know, I could see them, I could see them debating. You know, the term. Oh, what's one that comes up? Uh, the constitutionality of you know forbearance. You know, how do you how do you look at that word? You know, what does that mean to you? But to speak about the word woman, which I guess is of or relating to being female, what is a woman? A woman is a type of human being that can produce eggs and or offspring. Generally, but not always, are substantially hormonally different from men and are of a different composition and are, quite frankly, generally, not always, of course, more caring and more relationship-oriented than men are. Is that sexist, Muncie? No, that's not sexist, no. But I want to understand... What, do, do people think in the future that they won't be men and women? They'll just be birthing people? <laughs> I know. I know, Muncie. You don't have to tell me. I hear you loud and clear. Oh, wait a second. Do we have the Joe Biden commercial yet when he launched? All right. If we have a moment, he just lied in Europe. And this is the very first thing he told the American people when he announced his campaign for president was a big fat lie. Go ahead. Charlottesville, Virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans. And a violent clash ensued. All right, get on with it. And a brave young woman lost her life. Sorry about that, actually. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? But those words 
the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in Shut my up, lifetime. Joe. You're lying. Everything he just said was a lie. Everything. And I will prove it to you when we come back. This is The Greg Kelly Show. And in that moment, I knew I had to run. At that moment, when when Donald Trump said that, when he said that neo-Nazis were very fine people, I knew, gosh, number one, Donald Trump didn't say that. I'll play that in a moment. Number two, Joe Biden has said at least five different versions of when he decided to run for president. All right? It wasn't that moment. It was when he uh, (laughs) met with uh, this pollster, uh, that consultant, uh, this staffer. And, of course, they had to address all of his many... uh, liabilities okay uh, when he finally took the took the plunge all right so here is the famous well i hope we, i hope we cut it right here's donald trump in august of 2017 in the aftermath of the neo nazi uh, uh horrible moment but remember there were people other than neo nazis there and trump pointed that out cut 90 please so you know what it's fine you're changing history you're changing culture and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. It's true. And by the way, gosh, that is the original sin of Joe Biden's campaign. I mean, he's been lying since he was... Uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. It's so much. And that he can get away with that on the world stage and say what he said. It's do they think do these journalists think that we can't access the record? Now, maybe at some point we won't be able to because big tech seems to be covering for Joe and making clips like that. I've noticed harder and harder to find anything that undermines this administration Big Tech assists them with. Uh, do me a favor, cut 86. You're putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane. I'm not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious, and it was horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side. You can call them the left. You've just called them the left that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. He was right. I remember this. I remember this press conference live. And I now know, or I remember how I saw it live. I thought, okay, reasonable. I really didn't even think that much of it. But all hell broke loose because they all (laughs) lied about it. The lie was far more interesting than the truth, everybody. Cut 87. On both sides, so you said there was hatred, there was violence on both sides. Uh, are, well, I do the think there's blame. The yes, I think there's blame on both sides. You look at you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it. And you don't have any doubt about it either. And, 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 and if you reported it accurately, you would say if they reported it accurately, the media are responsible for so much of the division. In this country, you know, they've always been bad at it. Now, there are two things that media really suck, excuse me, at providing context and perspective. 
context and perspective. Why do they not like to provide context and perspective? Because if they do, perhaps whatever story they're trying to freak you out about will not seem as interesting, will not seem as important. You'll be less likely to click on it. You'll be less likely to sit in front of a TV and watch something. So they are constantly trying to blow things out of proportion. That's what they've always done, and it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. I went into media with my eyes wide open. I knew about that tendency, and I also did not like it, and I've always striven to provide a modicum of context and perspective. Um, you know what leads to that also? The template of the news. I mean, every night at 6.30, there's going to be a newscast. At every night at 6.30, and these are very vain people. They don't have a lot going on upstairs. They look great, um, but what else? So they look for things to talk about that happened that day. And if they weren't that interesting... They're going to make them interesting. They're going to sex them up. They're going to distort them. They're going to fool you. They're going to make you scared just to keep you watching. That's not how I roll at all. And, by the way, you can provide compelling content without misleading people. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right, it's official. Let's see here. Eric Adams exempts athletes, performers from city vaccine mandate. Mayor Adams exempted the city's athletes and performers from the Big Apple's COVID-19 vaccine mandate on Thursday, following weeks of pressure after it kept Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving from playing in home games and was expected to block some baseball players from taking the field next month. Speaking at City Field, this is from the Post, by the way, and joined by executives of both the Mets and Yankees, Adams said Thursday that he has signed the order. The exemption was effective immediately. Oh, yeah? What about the people who worked at Madison Square Garden, who worked at City Field, who worked at the Barclays Center, who didn't want to get vaccinated and lost their jobs? I know some of them personally, actually. Now, what about them? Is it retroactive? Hey, is it retroactive? Can we make that arrangement? Real people of very modest means lost their jobs. And once again, Eric, he's, he's drawn to celebrity, to all of it. He just loves it, in it for all the wrong reasons. And uh, let's see here. Generals lead from the front. I was not elected to be fearful, but to be fearless. Who the hell talks like that? I'm fearless. The other day, I actually heard him say, I'm a hero. What? You know, that's for history to decide someday. And history will be forgetting you, Mr. Adams, because you, my strong, strong sense, will not be mayor for your complete term because you've led quite the colorful life, haven't you? And uh, there are things that a lot of folks, uh, well, let's see, we know about you, okay? I'm surprised that you were able to live in New Jersey and (laughs) surprised. I'm shocked, actually. I am blown away. All right, so what's the deal in Ukraine? Remember this, all that stuff, Joe Biden uh, boasting about all the material that has been sent. Uh, Not quite the case. We have a lot of things that are just kind of um, hanging around. Do me a favor, cut 74, please, cut 74. The president of the United States 
plans to announce that the United States once again uh, will settle, will take in up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees who may want to come to the United States. Fabulous. I don't think we need them right now. And oh, by the way, while everyone's been talking about Judge Jackson and Ukraine, our border situation is worse than ever before. It is essentially wide open year over year. We're worse than ever. And they don't want to do a damn thing about it. Now, why is that? It is deliberate. There is the well, two things are going on here. Globalists want the cheap labor. Because it's true, people from south of the border, those who come to America, will do almost anything for low wages. It's ultimately very unfair to them. And also, um, Democrats think that they can make these people vote the way they want to, or at least portray their votes as occurring in a certain way, i.e. Democrat. Okay. Hey, is Jimmy Fallon, uh, is he still funny? I remember he did a great John Travolta impression, but that's really all I can recall at this point. He still has that late night show. Nobody watches. Cut 77, please. According to a new poll, Judge Jackson already has a record approval rating among Americans for a Supreme Court nominee. Right now, Biden's like, hey, I nominated you. It's only fair that we split that approval rating. Come on. That wasn't funny. Right? I don't know. Uh, The Iran nuclear deal is being revamped, and they want to double down on a horrible deal. Hey, do you remember Joe Lieberman? He was a Democrat from Connecticut, then he became the vice presidential nominee for Al Gore. He's really a great man. Uh, Later became an independent, came very close to running with John McCain in 2008. That would have been something. They might have won together. That should have happened. That would have been something else. Uh, let me hear what he has to say about this. Cut 78, please. Well, I think the deal that apparently is being discussed at, discussed in, in Vienna is a terrible deal, and it doesn't do, in my understanding, what uh, Jake Sullivan has said, it doesn't put the nuclear uh, weapons development program of Iran back in a box. At most, it puts a, a, a pause button on it for only a couple of years, and then it begins, the, the hold begins to come off. And and listen, bottom line, uh, the government in Tehran right now is extremist, terrorist, anti-American, aggressive, uh, and you can't, they cheat, they lie, you can't trust them. I think it's a terrible deal and we do a lot better by pulling back, hitting them with harder sanctions until the Iranians hurt even more and they come to the table to negotiate a deal that really does end their nuclear program. That's why... We all adopted these economic sanctions on Iran, not right. for some uh, milquetoast agreement with them that doesn't solve the problem. I love that guy. It's so much common sense, but we're doing the opposite. We're incentivizing them, all kinds of business coming their way, especially from China. Yikes. Senator Lieberman, former, we wish you were still there. My goodness gracious. Hey, we are joined right now by New York City's longest serving ever police commissioner, 12 years with Mayor Bloomberg and then two and a half years, actually, with uh, uh, Mayor Dinkins, uh, Commissioner Ray Kelly, my father. Are you on the phone, sir? Yes, I am, Greg. Good to be with you. Thank you. Ver- and uh, Senator Lieberman is a, just an outstanding individual. And uh, you're right. <laughs> He'd be much better off if he was in office. It's interesting. You know, when you're commissioner of this city, you do get to meet with and work with 
just about everybody. There's like not a public figure that I can think of and mention that you haven't had some sort of interaction with, not only as commissioner, but when you were under secretary of the treasury. Actually, I always wanted to, you know, I mean, these people are known to you. I always wanted to ask you actually of all the people you've worked with professionally in the political world, which one do you, which one was the most impressive? Which one was, were you, you know, like, wow, that guy's really smart or something like that. Well, I was very much impressed with President Clinton's intellect. Uh, he was so smart and grasped subjects so quickly. Uh, he would come into a meeting and have no papers with him, yet talk with great knowledge about whatever the subject was. So uh, that's one person that certainly comes to mind. But there are many. I'd have to think about it, quite frankly. No, I remember you mentioning that about Bill Clinton, and it was like if he <laughs> – you were on Air Force One with him, and he was talking about basketball. And you're you're very good with sports. You're an expert, and and he knew so much about the Final Four and March Madness that year that you could have seen him like on ESPN. He had that level of knowledge, right? Right, exactly. He took me back to talk to the reporters in the back of Air Force One, and he started talking. Somehow, we got to the subject of the Final Four, and he knew. All the coaches, he knew the players, the starting players on all four teams. So this kind of blew the reporters away. And they said, how can you do this? How do you have this depth of knowledge? You have so much on your on your mind. He says, well, you need something to you know, sort of uh, you know, divert uh, you know, from all the important issues and all the serious issues. And I love sports. So, uh, <laughs> and he did. He, <laughs> he's so smart, though. Wow. So quick. Um, so look, uh, right now, New York City is in big trouble. Uh, crime is growing rapidly. Uh, and Eric Adams was <laughs> he campaigned on uh, I'm going to fix uh, I'm going to fix crime in New York City. He hasn't. It's getting worse. And his solutions seem to be uh, ill-conceived and ineptly uh, implemented. Uh, what's your take so far? Well, um I was surprised that whatever anti-crime measures or programs they're going to put in place were not implemented on day one. It's a big, big issue in New York City. People are leaving. Businesses are are closing. Workers are not taking the subway because of fear of crime. So it, it should have been the highest priority. Now we're, you know, we're finishing the third month here and. Uh, we're still not clear exactly what the plan is. At least I'm, I'm not clear. Uh, I, I would have put in the anti-crime units of uh, old because they were very effective. Uh, they, we've had them for decades, and that's where you have civilian close uh, police officers who are, are doing observations or perhaps following people, tracking people. You can't do that wearing a a semi-uniform. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People start shouting on the street when they see a cop. That's just the reality of life. So you see uh, one of these uh, officers in uh, a uh, semi-uniform, they're going to shout out as well. Now, for the and people... Also, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. going to ask you, though, the people who kept their... Who, who know Eric Adams over the years, and I believe uh, the two of you have crossed paths, were not 
totally surprised that he does not have much in the way of ideas and or ability to implement whatever ideas he has. Can you just characterize his time in the police department? No, I, I don't want to. I want to give him an opportunity. I think he's running out of time, but, uh, you know, he needs some time to at least get this stuff on the table and, you know, can make judgments as to whether it's effective uh, or not. But he's, he's elected mayor. He is our mayor. I hope he succeeds. I hope he does a great job with with crime. I'm not exactly clear what the role of the police commissioner is these days, but, uh, you know, she seems like a competent person. And, you know, there are, there are people in the police department and other places that have a lot of experience in addressing street crime. Yeah. Well, so I hope he's listening to them. Well, let me, uh, let, let me give you, and I understand, look, we, we, we would love it if he would succeed, but People are starting to notice that uh, he's very slow out of the gate. This is from Errol Lewis, who's a a columnist for the Daily News. He's also on New York One, and he writes for New York Magazine as well. Uh, His column, dated March 21st, Eric Adams is not off to a great start on public safety. The new mayor needs to focus more on substance than show. Mayor Adams, although surrounded by an attentive entourage of security personnel and a few aides, seemed a determined but isolated figure as he boarded a flight to Chicago on Friday to talk about crime and law enforcement with his Windy City counterpart, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Heads turned and a few passengers snuck peeks while the mayor, multitasking in full get-stuff-done mode, simultaneously conducted a telephone conference call, grabbed a snack, blah, 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 blah. But he goes on to say, look, it's all show. And just as you pointed out, (laughs) he did not do anything when he first got there in January, three months in. And where is the substance? Adams's anti-crime plan for subways now includes ordering chiefs, the NYPD's highest ranking uniformed officers, to regularly walk a beat in the subways. Now, that's the kind of thing that might sound good. What do you make of that? Would you ever order your chiefs to do something like that? No, it's kind of silly. And that's just, uh, you know, to show some some motion, some activity. But your chiefs are experienced people that are much better off administering and and making certain that other tactics and strategies are functioning. Uh, so I, I I don't really get that. I mean, it, there's a chief in charge of transit, and there are other chiefs in the Transit Bureau. So, uh, you know, it's their responsibility to make certain that the officers are out uh, on patrol. Uh, I would like to see the police officers on the platforms of the subway, though, because I think people are deathly afraid of being pushed in front of a train. So people are lining up against the wall and then sort of running to the train when it when it comes in. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a terrible, uh, you know, optic to have happen. It, it shows that uh, people are very fearful of going into the subway, and that that has to be turned around in order for New York to come back. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, the yeah. way it was uh, pre-pandemic. Let me ask because, you this. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, you know, coast to coast right now, we see these uh, uh, smash, not smash and grab robberies. They're like flash mobs. They run into uh, an Apple store, a Gap, I mean, even a, 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 an ordinary drug store, and they raid the place and steal all kinds of stuff and then run out. Uh, police are nowhere to be found. Security officers are just watching what do you attribute this to, other than the obvious, which I guess was uh, 
the public blaming the cops for everything, starting with the summer of Black Lives Matter. Why is this happening and what can be done about it? Well, I mean, I think there's it's a lot of reasons why something like this happens. You look at the district attorneys, not only in New York, but, uh, you know, in San Francisco, Chicago, they're just not prosecuting those types of cases. I think it's the type of thing that requires intelligence. You need informants. You have to work to get informants in this area. You've seen some of these uh, attacks involve 20 people or more. So there's, there's got to be notification of people. There's got to be, uh, you know, asking them to come to a particular place. Uh, it, it, they put this stuff on the Internet very quickly after they steal it. It has to monitor those sites. Uh, I think some of this is being done, but it's it's, uh, it's terrible. I, I think the, the problem really does lie with the district attorney because uh, these types of, of, of crimes are just not considered important enough. And uh, Alvin Bragg, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, I'm, I'm getting now con- – I'm confused about what's really happening there. He came in with that crazy memo – and resisting arrest will not be prosecuted, uh, not even basically a crime anymore. Then he backed off a couple of those uh, measures, but he still seems to be a very peculiar <laughs> prosecutor. Uh, do you sense that he's uh, fixing the situation after the stinging rebuke, or is it more of the same, or is it too, too soon to tell? Yeah, I think it's too soon to tell. I think, uh, as you said, it's really bizarre to come out with that memo on day one. That's, these are the type of things that if you're going to do it, you sort of ease them in. You don't announce that you're going to do it. And in the memo, he put no reason as to why he was doing it. You see, hey, he lives in Harlem, and guns were pointed at him, that sort of thing. Okay, you would think that that's going to mean, hey, more stringent enforcement, that sort of thing. Wrong. <laughs> he goes into this whole litany of things. And incarceration is absolutely the last thing that should happen to somebody who's uh, who's arrested. So I think he still has intentions to implement that that plan. It's just too much heat uh, right now. Uh, I, I, I can't tell if he's backing off or not. They say I think we need uh, more information. Ray Kelly, New York City's longest-serving police commissioner, Vietnam veteran, colonel in the Marine Corps, and a graduate of four different universities. Hey, you know, Joe Biden pretended to graduate from four different universities. You actually did. Manhattan College, NYU, St. John's Law School, and Harvard University. Pretty amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. All right. To be continued, and say hi to Mom, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Well, it was nice talking to uh, my dad for a few minutes. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Vito, what did you think? Hi there, Vito in Staten Island. Yes, hello. Uh, I was wondering why it took so long from the time they uh, raided uh, Giuliani's apartment to the time now. They they left the uh, laptop behind, and now they're coming forward with it. What's the reason? Well, when you say they are coming forward with it, uh, no one's – I mean, the New York Times verified it even though they knew all along it was true. No one's coming forward with it. They purposely, and Rudy's coming up in a couple of minutes, you can ask him, but they would not touch it. Rudy said, well, if you're taking all my electronic devices, 
I guess you're going to have to take this. It's uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. They were like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want that. (laughs) We're only trying to get you in trouble, Rudy. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Vito. Uh, Greg in New Jersey, yes. Yeah. Hi, how are you? I just wanted to make the point that Putin is doing Biden a favor by cleaning up all of his dirty laundry in the Ukraine. I actually called in while Mayor Giuliani was on, and I spoke to him, and I raised this point. And he he just went on with the conversation. He, you know, he said, well, there's about 20 people left over there that are still alive. And if they don't get to them, uh, those people, if we can get them here, they will testify, and they will uh, uh, bring an indictment and get a conviction. Well, remember, all this uh, evidence is on the cloud. You know what I mean? It's all on the cloud. So you could pulverize Ukraine, and we don't want that to happen. And the Ukrainians, it almost seems like they have the upper hand now. But I don't think that this uh, washes away Joe Biden's problems. And remember, he, he doesn't have entanglements only in Ukraine. He's got them in China. He's got them in Russia. He's got him in uh, plenty of other places as well. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Marianne in Philadelphia. Hi, Greg. I'm calling um, about the uh, judge, yeah. Judge Jackson. And uh, I'm, I'm very concerned that she's, they're going to push her through anyway. And I'm, I'm really worried because I fear that if she gets into the Supreme Court, she will do to the Supreme Court what Joe Biden has done to America. Well, I wouldn't worry too much. Look, I don't like her. I don't want her to be confirmed. Actually, I like her. She seems like a nice person. But I do not like, um, you know, I don't want another liberal judge in the court. But I don't think she's going to have that power. Remember, she's replacing another liberal, uh, Stephen Breyer. So I don't think she's going to be able to remake the court. You know what I mean, Marianne? What about Janice Rogers Brown? She's a black woman. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And they filibustered her because, quite frankly, they don't like conservative black women. They want their uh, (laughs) it's incredible. But people like Joe Biden believe that uh, the way you look should determine the way you think. Remember, if you're voting for uh, Donald Trump, then you ain't black. He said that to Charlemagne the God. It was one of the most offensive things I've ever heard. Thank you, Marianne. Uh, Sam in Woodside. Yeah, um, Putin is using the same game plan Bush Cheney used when they blew up Iraq and that Barack Obama and Clinton used when they blew up Libya. You know, Sam, I have told you about calling this show and changing your name. You're always giving me a new phony name and a new neighborhood as well. What's up with you dancing around Queens like this? It's some one day it's Woodside, then it's Far Rockaway, then it's Rego Park. One day you're Joe. What's going on? Why do you do that? I get around, get around, I get around. Sam, I don't like this. Stop pulling this stuff with me, okay? Well, you're on notice, Sam. You're for now on. You're Sam from Woodside, and nobody else. I don't care if that's your real name or your fake name. That's who you are on this show going forward. All right? That's it. Goodbye. Norman in Brooklyn, and then I got to go. Hi, Greg. Um, You know, the the mandates for restaurants, for vaccine mandates for restaurants, have been done away with now for several weeks. Yet my local Burger King is still enforcing it. And they have not. I've noticed that restaurants have not removed those stupid. What the hell are you going to Burger King for anyway? You want to be shot? That's a whole other story. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. These fast food places, I love fast food. Don't get me wrong. 
I really do, but I don't go anymore. They're too dangerous. They're too dangerous. That's the only Hey, Ben, by the way, are you kidding me? They're not checking vaccine cards at Burger King. In Rockaway Park. You tell them you you have rights and don't do it, and they'll still give you a whopper. I got to go. I'll see you tonight. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.